Amen. How are you all doing this morning? Yeah? Woo! I got a couple whoops. A couple whoops. Some people are, woo, have their coffee. I had my coffee this morning, so I'm ready to preach. Yeah? Um, I want to kind of just share a little bit of on my, what's on my heart first before I kind of I get into the sermon, and it's, it's kind of leading right into the sermon. Uh, first thing, how many of you uh, saw the wedding? How many of you saw the, the uh, watched the wedding? Okay, a couple, couple people. How many of you watched highlights of the royal wedding? Anybody saw highlights of the royal wedding? No, shaking hands, all right. It, by, the, by the way, I, I was not uh, planning on watching it. I was not expecting to watching it, but I actually ended up uh, watching it, and it was very, very beautiful, and let me explain why. It, God designed weddings. It's not man-made. God designed marriage, okay? And I will say, as I was watching that, I, my spirit was just on fire because I was watching a representation and what it's supposed to be, which is man and woman coming together, but specifically, it's a picture of Christ coming back for his church. And, and the Bible even talks about how it's like a wedding, how it's, you know, that, that uh, Jesus is the bridegroom, and we are the bride. And it was this perfect picture. And I don't know how much you know about the, uh, the, the you know, the, the characters, per se, the people, uh, but the, the bride, you know, she came from a very, very broken situation. She definitely was not perfect. She definitely was not, you know, uh, royal herself or anything like that. But I loved that about the story because it is a representation of us. We're, we're nobodies. We, are, we come from nothing, but yet us as the church. And, and here, here is this prince, this royal of, of royal lineage who is coming to take in his bride and coming to take care of her for the rest of their lives. And I just, I'm telling you guys, I was emotional watching it. And it really didn't have anything to do with these particular two people. But it was just watching something that God designed and watching it unfold. To be honest with you, it was, to me, it was, it was worship to God. It was, now, there were things about it, you know what I mean, that I, you know, I could say that were, okay, well, they kind of did this and that's fine, they did that. But there was something about the ceremony that was so beautiful to me. Now, juxtapose that with the shooting that happened last week. And I saw this picture of what is going on in the world. There's the darkness. There's the, the, the sin that is just corroding and that is becoming uh, more and more of a cancer. And it just feels like, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I sometimes can't even turn the news on and not feel depressed and not feel, Lord, what is going on? God, why are you allowing this to happen? You know, and, and almost feel helpless. But then I watched that wedding and God was reminding me, he was saying, Matthew, I want to remind you that I am coming back for my church, that I am coming back. Don't lose heart. Don't be, you know, overtaken by the, the fears of this world that, that if anything, we as the church have something to hope for. We have something to look forward to. Just like the picture of that wedding, Jesus is coming back for his church. And we will forever, ever, for all eternity, we will be in the presence of God. 
So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. You know, I want to encourage you. I want to fill you with hope. And just as Jesus said, listen, and I'm going to paraphrase right now, but Jesus said, listen, you are going to face trials in this world. Amen? You are going to face trials. He he wasn't going to candy coat it for us. In fact, you want to know how you, you, you can trust that you're a Christian? You can trust that you're, you're living a, a godly life? Probably because you feel like you're getting punched in the face every day. That is because, you know, when, when we are, are walking, you know, in, in the will of the Lord, the enemy is going to take notice and the enemy is going to do everything he can to tear you down and to discourage you and to get you off that course. But Jesus said, you don't have to fear because I have overcome the world. I have already judged your enemy. He has already been judged. And then the part that we're going to really dive into today, the part that I really, really want to encourage you today is he said, listen, Jesus said, I go, but I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm not going to abandon you. I am going to send the Holy Spirit In fact, it's good that I go, because if I don't go, then the advocate, the helper, he will not come. There is something that each and every single one of you as Christians have, and that is the Holy Spirit. And we need to live by the Spirit. If we are going to overcome this world as Jesus promised us, then we need to live every single day, every single moment in the Spirit. Almost two years ago, we had a, a gentleman come, and he's a, a friend. I completely trust him, and he has the, the gift of the prophetic, not the pathetic. Make sure I'm clear, clarifying that. The gift of the prophetic, right? And that is, if you don't understand, that is when, you know, the, the, with the uh, prompting of the Holy Spirit, you see things that are going to come. And he sat in one of our services, and he, and he said, Pastor Matthew, can I speak with you. And I said, yeah. And he said, I want to tell you that God is bringing revival back to his church. In fact, you are also going to experience this revival. But he said, it's not going to be the kind of revival that maybe you, you, you've experienced before. It's not like this, let's fill a stadium up and, and, and you know, that kind of revival and that, you know, that you're just going to see all these, you know, uh, bleeding out into the streets and people jumping for joy and you know that that he's like not that kind of revival there's going to come a revival in the church he says there's going to come a revival in people's hearts that there and I'm going to be very honest because and, and I can bear witness to this in my own life there's times in my life where my heart is divided between the world and between serving God Anybody, can anybody relate to that with me? You, you, you know, you want to serve God. Like Paul says, you know, I, I know what I want to do. I know what I should do. But, you know, then, then there's what my flesh wants to do. And I seem to do what I don't want to do. And, and I don't do what, I, what I'm supposed to do. You know, Paul does this whole, you know, thing. And I feel that way. I totally get it. I totally understand but this gentleman said there's a revival coming that, there, that people's hearts, they will turn completely back to God. Where God will be the center of everything that you do. That when you wake up in the morning, that when you lie your head at night, you will bring God into every single situation. 
For so long, I only brought God into certain situations in my life. You know what, God, this is an area that I want you in, but no, no, this is an area I don't want, I don't need you over here. I don't want you to look at what I'm, you know, doing over here type of thing. God wants our whole hearts. He wants us to live by the Holy Spirit every single day, every moment of our lives, every second. It should become the very air we breathe. We should be that desperate. And I want to talk to you guys about the Holy Spirit today. I had felt this prompting and felt that it had been coming on. And, and I, you know, I, it's a prayer of mine. I don't want to just do church. I don't. If we're just going to come and if we're just going to meet and be a club and be a group, well, then that's fine. But I don't want to do that. I'll hang out with you at your house then and we'll eat food and things like that if you want to do that. We'll go to angel games together. You know what I mean? I don't mind doing that. But if we're going to gather in the name of God, I want to see him. Amen? I want to experience him. I want to see all the, the, the miracles and the wonders and everything that the first church experienced. I want to see the dead rise. I want to see the lame walk. I want to see the blind see. I want to see people's hearts turn back to God. I don't want to be a, just a Sunday Christian. Amen? And so I've just been feeling this stirring. And I'm going to be very honest with you. I had no idea that this was Pentecost week when I was kind of planning all this and praying. I had no idea that today is Pentecost Sunday. How many of you knew that today was Pentecost Sunday? Right? We've kind of got... Thank you, Gary, my cousin. I... And I don't think that it's coincidence because I believe that a revival is coming back and it's a revival that has is not have nothing to do with numbers. It has nothing to do with something emotional. It has nothing to do that. Oh, my gosh, we're all going to gather and weep and, you know, and things like that. God wants to bring revival in your life. He wants revival to happen in your home. He wants revival to happen in your body. He wants revival to happen in your, in your workplace, in your finances. He wants you to live that abundant life that he's been promising and talking about in his word. That's the kind of revival that God is bringing. Not just this revival, but I believe you guys, I'm going to be very honest with you. I believe, though, it's going to start with his church. It's going to be start with his church getting right, getting in alignment you know, getting rid of the sin in the camp. It's going to start with us. If we're going to expect revival, if we're going to expect God to do these great and mighty things, I got to tell you, you know, if I'm going to pray for revival, then I better start praying that revival happen in me. Because how dare I? How dare I expect, oh God, I want to see you do something when he's daily telling, saying, Matthew, wake up. See what's going on around you. Don't, you know, close yourself off. Don't get so, you know, uh, uh, so into yourself, so into your own flesh that you can't see what I'm doing. Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. I love, love this scripture. This is where the promise starts. If you have your Bibles with you, Joel chapter 2, starting in verse 28. This is a prophet of the Old Testament. This is well before the time of Jesus. 
This is in the time when, when, when God would speak through his prophets. And there was this prophet Joel. And in Joel chapter 2, chapter two starting in verse 28, Joel prophesies this. Then after doing all of those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. How many of you have ever been uh, anointed with oil before? Anointed. How many, uh, in, in like in the Catholic church, you've even been like sprinkled and, and stuff like that, right? I, uh, there's those, you know, I myself being a pastor, I've anointed people. I got a little vial of oil and I, I put it on my, you know, my finger and I usually put it on people's forehead. And that's all great. That's, uh, it's symbolic. It doesn't mean anything more than that. But I love the visual that, that Joel is using. He, he doesn't say, I'm going to sprinkle you with the Holy Spirit. Or I'm going to dabble you with the Holy Spirit. Like it's just this thing that, oh, I got it on me. You know what I mean? I walked by and I got a little bit of the Holy Spirit on me. He actually uses this picture. And really, this is how they used to anoint people back in the Old Testament. They wouldn't just sprinkle you with a little bit of oil. They would literally pour oil on you. And the oil would go from your head and it would drip down all the way to your feet. God is trying to paint a picture that I want the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon you. I want it to pour from your head down to your feet. I want it to get all over you. I want you to be consumed with the Holy Spirit. That is what I'm offering. That is the kind of abundant God that I am. I'm not going to ration out the Holy Spirit to you and just give it to you in just those times, you know, when it's most desperate. I want to pour out my Holy Spirit in abundance that he is available for you any time that you need him. Joel goes on to say, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. God is saying this because in the Old Testament, only, the Holy Spirit only fell on certain people. You know, like, like, like the judges, back in the days of the judges, you know, like Samson. It's a, the spirit of God came upon Samson, you know, and he went and he, you know, ripped apart a, a lion with his bare hands. You know what I mean? The spirit of God came upon King David, you know, those types of things. And, and it seemed like it was only for these special people. It was only for the people that, you know, God was going to use to make, you know, big change. But God is saying, no more, no more is it just this selective group. Now anyone who asks, anyone who's available, anyone who is open, I am going to pour out my spirit upon all. And even Joel's even kind of crossing the, the boundary lines of, you know, whether it's men or whether it's women, whether it's adults, whether it's children, whether it's slaves, whether it's kings or queens, it doesn't matter. God wants to pour out his Holy Spirit upon you. I want to look at uh, another scripture. And this is John 16. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to, uh, to the book of John, chapter 16, starting in verse 5. So Jesus' ministry here on earth was, was very much just Jesus kind of doing everything, right? We watched Jesus walk around, and, and Jesus would lay hands on the sick 
and they would be healed. And, and Jesus would walk into a town and, and you know, a, a woman who had, had years and years of, of bleeding and she touches Jesus and she's instantly healed. You know, the, the satyrian who says, will you come and heal? You know, I'm not even worthy to come into my house, but Jesus, will you heal my, you know, and just, and here's Jesus doing all the ministry. Here's Jesus doing all the teaching. But then Jesus is warning them and, he, and, and he's starting to tell them, listen, things are about to change. Things are about to get different. So in John chapter 16, starting in verse 5, these are the words of Jesus. He said, but now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, then the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. I used to wonder why we can't see Jesus. Anybody ever ask that question? Where did Jesus go? You know, if Jesus is the Son of God and we talk about Jesus all the time, why is it that I can't see him? Why is it that he's not here? You know, why is it that when we see things that uh, happened in Texas and things that are happening to our schools and things like that, why is it that, Jesus, why don't you intervene? Can I tell you what the answer is to that? He says, I have intervened. I have given you my Holy Spirit. I have given you my authority. Where are you? Why aren't we there? Why aren't we taking authority around our cities? Why aren't we taking authority in our communities? Why aren't we taking authority in the name of Jesus for our families and for our schools? Jesus says, I am there. I am there. If you would just but go, I am there. It is you. You are the church. The reason why Jesus is not here is because then his Holy Spirit wouldn't be poured out upon us. And that is what the church is supposed to be. We are the church. We are the ones now empowered. And I love when Jesus says, you know all the things that I did? All the miracles? All the raising of the dead? All the casting out of demons? Remember all that stuff? Guess what? You are going to do all of that and more. You are going to do all of that and more. As my church, as my church, you see, he wants you to be a part of this. This isn't just about, well, you know, they got it. Jesus has got it. You know, the pastors got it. The prophets have got it. They, they got it. And that, you know, I can just go about my day. Verse 23 says, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly. And he will grant your request because you use my name. 
You haven't done this before, asking, using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. You guys, we now have direct access to Father God. You have direct access to Father God. And Jesus says, all you have to do is ask him in my name, because now my name has authority. Now my name brings power. Whatever it is that is going on in your life, if your home is broken right now, you can ask God to heal it in the name of Jesus. If your community is in upheaval, then you can pray and ask Jesus, give me my community in the name of Jesus. If your work or if your finances, if your, you know, whatever it is, you can go to the Father, you can make your requests known, and you can do it in the authority and the name of Jesus. So who is this Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Why is it that all of a sudden he's the big deal now in the New Testament? Why is it that all of a sudden, you know, the Old Testament was all about the prophets and all about, you know, God, and it seemed to be, God seemed to be very angry a lot. But why is it all, you know, all of a sudden, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, Holy Spirit is part of the three in one. He is, he is God. He is part of the, uh, of the Godhead, the Trinity as we've called it. By the way, Trinity, meaning three, and the word unity, it's the three in one. They're, they're united. They're not these three individuals, you know, working kind of independently on all themselves. They're connected. They're working together. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Son, and God the Father. And by the way, the Holy Spirit was there from the very, very beginning. Even in Genesis, when it says the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God was, was hovering over, was hovering over the Spirit of God. And then when, when God says, let us make man in our image, the Holy Spirit has been there from the beginning. He's not this new thing. He's not this created thing. He is God. But what does, what does the Holy Spirit say he will do? Well, first of all, the Holy Spirit says in this passage that he will convict the world of its sin. That the Holy Spirit is the one that comes and convicts people of their sin. The Holy Spirit is the one that comes and convicts me of my sin. That when we are asking the Holy Spirit, we are saying, search me, search my heart. Search whatever is in me and show me. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. And by the way, that is even a help to us as the church that we don't need to go around and convict everybody of their sins. Now, I'm not saying that we don't, we don't teach, that we don't point, that we don't direct, or we don't say, hey, you got a little something on you. But it's the Holy Spirit that convicts. That's what we need to pray and ask for. Also, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. When the spirit of God comes, he will guide you into all truth. Have you ever wondered, I, I don't know. I don't have the answers. That's why we seek God. That's why we invite the Holy Spirit to come and say, show me the truth. Show me the truth. The truth of your word. Show me what this means. Show me, listen, Yes, I mean, do we need teachers and pastors and prophets and, and, and apostles and, and evangelists? Do we need that? Yes. But the Spirit, the Spirit will lead you into all truth if you allow him. 
if you allow him. Also, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from Jesus. The Spirit will tell you whatever it is that he receives from God. That is why you'll see people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, who when they pray over people, it seems like they kind of have this, you know, how did they know that? How did they know, you know, the, uh, the, the, the gift of the prophetic or, 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 the, or the gift of, of, of the word of knowledge or wisdom or, you know, these things that the Holy Spirit kind of does? It? And it's because this is part of the promise. The Holy Spirit is, is, is hearing from the Lord and he's speaking through you. That is not, that's why you won't see the Holy Spirit just manifest himself here and start talking. Because he wants to use you, the church. Amen? Amen? Can we jump over to Acts 1? This is where it gets good. This is where it gets good. Acts So again, Jesus has, has died, he is, he's conquered death, he has risen from the grave, and still the disciples are like, all right, you're back, let's go do this thing, let's go claim your throne, let's go set up our kingdom, let's do this, Jesus. And then he, he gets real with them, and he says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And Jesus replies, sorry, I'm in verse 6, Acts 1, starting in verse 6. Now verse 7. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, in Buena Park in Fullerton, in North Orange County, in Southern California, you know, wherever it is. So Jesus tells them to go and wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the gift. So as we jump to the next chapter, it says in verse 1, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together, in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. The people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, uh, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, and and others I cannot pronounce. <laughs> In areas of Libya and Serene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them and said, they're drunk. 
That's all. After this, I'm not going to read it, but then Peter, Peter the disciple, Peter now the apostle, Peter then stands up and delivers the very first Holy Spirit anointed message and 3,000 people believe that day in the name of Jesus Christ. So what is this story? What does this mean for us? Well, first of all, it was the promise fulfilled. This was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. When Joel was prophesying that his spirit would be poured out upon all flesh, this was it. It was happening. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide in you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells within you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Pentecost is actually a, uh, a Jewish festival, the festival of first harvest. It was one of three major annual festivals, a festival of thanksgiving for the harvested, harvested crops. But now, because of the Holy Spirit, we are thankful for the harvest of believers. The tongues of fire, what does that symbolize? The tongues symbolize speech and the communication of the good news. The Holy Spirit empowers us to preach the good news to all. The fire symbolizes God's purifying presence, which burns away the undesirable elements in our lives and sets our heart aflame and ignites us to live for others. The sound from heaven, the, this kind of mighty windstorm, this, this rushing wind from heaven is the symbol of God's presence entering in, coming from heaven. We always think of God as distant. We always think of God as far off. And God now comes and he's dwelling with his people. The many languages. The gift of salvation is not just for one particular group. It is for all mankind. And God is trying to cross all barriers. He's trying to break down all these divides that man has set up. All these cultural divides. And then of course at the end they said, what does this mean? You see the interpretation. The crowd who overheard wanted an explanation. But first, God appeared in the supernatural. That's what God does. He, shoo he shows himself. He proves himself. And, you, and it makes you go, okay, this is not of this world. This is so different. This is not, there's no way that we were able to conjure this up on our own. God shows himself up in the supernatural. But then, there's the explanation. There's the interpretation. Then Peter steps forward and explains to them in the natural so that now they understand, so that now they see, so that now their eyes are open. So what do we need to do to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? First, you guys, humility and repentance. Humility and repentance. Not only is sin running rampant in this world, but you guys, I'm going to be very honest with you, sin is also running rampant in the church. And if we're going to expect revival in the church, then we need to humble ourselves. We need to repent of our sin. 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. The second thing, you guys, we need to be strong and courageous. 
We need as Christians to stand firm, just like in Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen, you guys. God isn't just here on Sunday mornings. God doesn't just send you on your way and pat you on the back and hopefully you're going to have a great week. He is with you wherever you go. He is with you, and and if you will take him and you will take his Holy Spirit into every single situation, then you will see miracles, you guys. Then you will see revival. Some of you need to bring God back in your homes. Some of you, God needs to be the center of your home. It needs to be the center of your marriage. It needs to be the center of your life. But you need to be strong and courageous. The third thing you need to ask, you need to ask, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You have not because you ask not. We seem to be, and and I, I completely relate to this, we have this attitude like, I got it, I got it. I got this. We don't want help. I know this because I'm married, right? And I don't want help. When my wife comes and tells me, Matthew, there's a better way of doing this. I don't want your help. I don't need your help, right? I got this. And to be honest with you, nine times out of ten, I end up coming back to her and saying, okay, you were right. I'm a knucklehead. Will you help me with this? You guys, the Holy Spirit is trying to help you. Stop slapping his hand away. Stop saying, I've got this because you don't. I'm going to be very honest with you. You don't got it. I don't got it. I need the Holy Spirit. And the only way I'm going to have the Holy Spirit is if I ask. Holy Spirit, come into this situation because I need you right now. Holy Spirit, come into my marriage because I need it right now. Holy Spirit, come into my children's lives because we are broken right now. Holy Spirit, come into my workplace because it is a war zone. We need to start inviting the Holy Spirit and especially back into church. We need to start inviting the Holy Spirit back into church. How dare we say that we're going to have church and not invite the Spirit of God to move amongst us? And number four, and the worship team, you guys can start making your way back up on this. But number four, obey. Obey. In Deuteronomy eleven thirteen, and it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I have commanded you to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil. And I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Are you experiencing drought in certain areas of your life, then you need to obey. You need to trust God. You need to start bringing God into that situation because when we rely on God and when we love him with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, when we love him with everything that we got, then he comes and he brings rain to those situations where we're experiencing drought. Amen? So here's what we're going to do today. I don't ever, ever want to talk about the Holy Spirit 
and not allow him to have his way in us, not allow him to move in us, not allow him to minister to us. So today, that's why we even kind of switched up the, the worship, and we're really we're going to go back into a time of worship. But I want you to remember those things, because there may be something today that you need to step out in faith with. The first, you guys, the first is Holy Spirit revealing me anything, anything that is hindering, anything that is hindering me and you. Repentance, you guys, repentance. We need to start becoming a church of repentance, a church of, of asking, and by the way, it's okay. It's okay to come as you are, but expect to be changed when you leave, amen? Expect to be changed. Be expectant that God is going to want to do things in you and change you. Allow him to forgive you of your sin. Some of you may need to do that this morning, and that's okay. This is a safe place because Jesus offers salvation. He offers forgiveness. It's given freely to you no matter what you've done, no matter what thoughts you've had, no matter what type of person you think you are. Then other thing is, is I want to encourage you, you need to ask. I am not going to force you. I am not going to make you. That is a decision you need to make to ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you, to be poured out upon you. That is a decision you need to make as the church, that you need to walk in every day, that just because you leave this place that it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit stays here, that you allow him to come and be a part of every moment of your life. And then you know what you need to do? You need to be obedient because he's going to start prompting you. He's going to start speaking to you. He's going to start telling you what to do. And let me tell you something, you better do what he says, especially if you want to see revival in your life, especially if you want to see miracles in your family. Especially if you want to live in that abundant life that God offers. You need to be obedient. We're going to go back into a time of worship. And you know what? Let's just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Amen? Can you make this just about a time between you and God right now? Will you stand with me and can we just enter back in? Gary, go ahead.